0: Sunday school, 15 years, somewhere right in there, yeah, yeah, anyway, the story goes, and if you were here, you heard it, but it, I love true stories, and it's a good one, now Trey, the grandson I'm about to talk about, is a grown man now, and so he was delighted that I told this at the funeral, but it's a great story, uh, he was here visiting when he was probably about eight years old, and so he was in his grandmother's Sunday school class, Miss Jean Holtzford, as she was teaching and she had everybody bow their head, let's pray together. And so uh, she prayed, and as soon as she said amen, another little old boy looked over at Trey, her grandson, and said, hey, he didn't. He had his eyes open the whole time. And without missing a beat, Trey said, hey, I'm not from here. I'm from Montgomery. <laughs> so if you're from Montgomery, you ain't got to close your eyes during the prayer. Great story. I love that story. The title of the sermon this morning is Save Me From Me. Save Me From Me. I've used that title before, and I got it from somebody else. so It's not anything new, but I want you to get your mind thinking. Save Me From Me. We're going to talk about self this morning. I believe it was old Uncle, Uncle Bud Robinson. He once said that, you know, your self thinks it knows more than you do. And that's true. A lot of times we get in trouble with self person in the mirror. So save me from me. I want to open up by reading a a, a straightforward tough scripture that Jesus gives us. He gives us a lot of those. But this one is in Luke 9, 23 and 24. Most of you have heard it. And then Jesus said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me. So there must be a desire there. Anybody though, he says, if anyone desires to come after me. You're going to have to deny self. Let him or her deny self. Now that in itself is a task. And take up his or her cross every other week. You know it doesn't say that. Daily. Daily. Take up his cross daily. Then follow me. So there's some things that need to happen first before you follow me. Deny self. You've got to have that desire. To deny self. And then take up that cross daily. Then follow me. For whoever desires to save his or her life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Again, we could probably just meditate and ponder on that for about three hours or maybe for three years or maybe the rest of our life to get all the depth of what's in there. Let's try to learn something today. Desire to come after me, you got to deny self, you got to take up the cross daily, and then follow me. My sermon changed through the week, so some of you that read the 3D portion of it will be the same, but I changed the scripture right here, partly because of something that my son had written down, my Dave, and I'll share that with you in a moment. But I, So I got to thinking about the heart, because probably we're not going to desire to follow him, we're not going to deny self, we're not going to be taking up a cross daily unless somewhere in there our, our hearts has got to be in this. And so I found Proverbs 4, 20 and 27. Here's the scripture. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them, and they are health to all their flesh. Underline verse 23 in your heart and mind right now. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. That's pretty deep. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Self's going to have to be involved. In order for that to happen if you decide to put away a deceitful mouth and perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Let your eyes look straight ahead for your eyelids uh, and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet. And let all of your ways be established. Do not turn to the right and do not turn to the left. Remove your foot. I ask you to underline that verse 23. I've mentioned before a book by John Eldridge. John Eldridge wrote a book 10 or 12 years ago. It's called Waking the Dead. John Eldridge Waking the Dead. I recommend it. The key verse and the verse that the whole book is based on is Proverbs 20, 23. In the NIV it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is a wellspring of life. New King James, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Have you given your heart to God? Have you given your whole heart to God? Are there sins or, or perhaps things in your life that cause you, that self keeps holding on to, that you do not give God your whole heart? And again, I go back to this passage in Luke 9. And Jesus said, if you desire to follow me, deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Somewhere in there he 's got to have your heart there 's got to be a cleansing of the heart in there over a year ago or so i 'm not exactly sure my my son Dave and I were talking we were talking about spiritual things we were talking about consequences of sin and we were just talking about life and death and I take him back and forth to dialysis three times a week, he and I pray, and we talk about those things because they 're real to him, but we were talking about walking with God, issues like this a year and a half or so ago, walking away from God, and he said a quote to me. Now, he doesn't remember, nor do I, if that quote came from the lyrics of a song or a poem, but so for this morning, Dave Beck said, and I wrote it on a Post-it note, and it got mixed in the shuffle of our computer desk and everything at home, but I found it one morning. That's kind of the direction of my sermon. Here's the quote from Lana's son that she birthed 33 years ago. Your heart, like your eyes, your heart, like your eyes, have the ability to adjust to the darkness. Pretty profound statement. He and I theologized over it for a little while. Your heart, like your eyes, have the ability to adjust to the darkness. And we know that simply that when we go into a room that is dark, our eyes will soon, iris pupils will begin to adjust, and and we adjust to the darkness. But our hearts also, unfortunately, and this is the way I took the quote, unfortunately our, our, our heart also has the ability to adjust to the darkness such that what used to be dark anymore doesn't really seem dark. Let me give you an example. In our Bible study this past week, we were studying the book of Zephaniah promise you it's in there. It's a book in the Bible. It's three chapters long. won't take you long to read it. But the key verse is Zephaniah 1.12. It's about God speaking at that point to His own people, Jerusalem, Judah, and, and Israel itself. And God said in Zephaniah 1.12, My people have settled for complacency in their hearts. They've settled for complacency in their hearts. They've, they've compromised what they used to call wrong now is okay. They've adjusted to the darkness. They've, they've become compliant to things and, and everything's okay. And Israel did that. They had seasons of that. So do we. Your heart, like your eyes, have the ability to adjust to the darkness. Mark Twain said with a grin, which a lot of things he said with a grin, if you read any of his quotes, he said humans are the only animal that blushes or needs to i remembered that word blush and i knew in the bible i remembered i couldn't remember where it was i looked on bible gateway and twice in the book of jeremiah it mentions the word blush jeremiah 6:15 and jeremiah 8:12 says this they were not at all ashamed nor did they know how to blush. They forgot how to blush. Came complacent, Adjusted to the darkness. They did not shame anymore. They didn't know how to. Are there things in your life that at one time maybe in your journey, you would have blushed at now? We don't even blush. That's what he said in Jeremiah. Dr. Dennis Kinlaw said a, a lot of quotes that I like. And I'm reading a devotion book this week, this day with a master by Dr. Dennis Kenlaw. But I read this back in the fall, this one line. The eye inside of us will not kill itself. The eye inside of us will not kill itself. Now that's an interesting statement, especially in light of what Jesus said. If you want to you come after me, you'll have to deny self. You'll have to take up your cross daily, and then you can follow me. In the context, Ken Law said it this way. As hard as we try, we cannot release control of our lives. In other words, we need help. We need Christ to help us do that. Hard as we try, we cannot release control of our lives. The I inside of us will not kill itself. The self inside of us is subtle and clever. Always, he said, when we are brought into the presence of God, we are made conscious of our sin. Bear that out just for a moment and think about it. When you truly and honestly get in the presence of God and you worship Him, if you've got any sin in your life, isn't it amazing how you start getting convicted? Can I get an amen so I'll be the only one that's not in that? We do. We sense that. And so he says that we're brought in the presence of God. We're made conscious of our sin. Our sin must be known if we are to know God. But when we recognize our sin, God is free. To cleanse us from our hearts. And he wrote Proverbs 2023. 20, He's able to cleanse our hearts because he knows that your heart and my heart is a wellspring of life. Guard your heart. Be diligent where you walk. Don't look to the left and to the right. Be careful. I know that I've quoted this man quite a bit, and today's my day to quote everybody. Ellsworth Callus. I've told you all the title of this book and I love it. Don't go get it because I'm going to keep quoting it so you won't have to read it. Ellsworth Callis wrote a book, If Experience is Such a Good Teacher, Why Do I Keep Repeating the Course? And then in the book he wrote 12 chapters. All of the 12 chapters are about 12 classrooms that we find ourselves in. So I'm going to read a little bit from chapter 7. The title of it is, Sin Can Be a Productive Course. Don't bother to register. Sin can be productive, he says, question mark. Sin can be productive. Then he says, I, hey, I'm not recommending sin. Not at, no, not at all. In fact, Paul didn't. Should we Should we just sin more and more so graceful that more and more abound? Paul said, God forbid, no. So, no, not at all. But I am a realistic person who knows that whether we like it or not, people do sin. I know this by personal experience and by observing the lives of others. And as Dr. Calla said, few people get to observe more about the lives of others than those who spend years as a parish pastor. However you define it, whatever dressing you put on it, we human beings have a problem. Then he quotes out of the book of Job, one of Job's friends said this in Job 5, 7, but human beings are born to trouble just as sparks just as sparks fly upward that's true and Jesus said it in his own way in this world you will have trouble he even used the word tribulation but be of good cheer I have overcome the world and that's why he says I need your heart I need you to follow me I need you to deny self I need you to take up your cross daily then you can come and follow me Callus goes on to say that sin is like no other faculty member in the school of experience because sin doesn't really want to instruct us. Sin wants to destroy us. That's why, he says, I wouldn't take a single course from sin if I could help it. But since I seem to get into sin's classroom from time to time, I've decided uh, that I must make the most of it. And I'll add, paraphrase it my way. Some of us find ourselves in that classroom, but our goal should always be to graduate. You want to stay in that class. And the only way we graduate is give Christ our lives, give Christ our sin, repent. So that should be our goal, to not stay in that classroom. I read a story, and for those of you who get the 3D devotion, you know, I gave you a part of the story. Well, I'm going to end it now by telling you a story that was told years ago of an Episcopal, Episcopal minister and his three-year-old daughter. He served in a rural parish, and he and his family lived on a farm while he served at this pastor. One Sunday morning, he was puttering about in the barn before church, and his three-year-old daughter came running in the barn, holding out her pudgy little fat hand, And she said, look what I found, Daddy. Isn't it pretty? And that's where I ended the story on the 3D. So as Paul Harvey would say, here's the rest of the story. She's standing there holding this object in her hand. Her dad, a preacher, looks around and sees it. And she says, look, Daddy, how pretty. The minister saw the morning sunlight glistening on the object in her hand. It was a double-edged razor blade. Some of you remember when we had the double edged razor blades and the old, you could twist the bottom down there, it would collapse, and you'd have that. She was holding a double edged razor blade. He spoke to himself and said, How do I get that blade out of her hand? If I try to take it away from her, she'll just clutch it tighter, and if she does that, she's going to cut herself badly. I know that. So he said, Honey, honey, that, that's very dangerous. It'll cut you. Don't close your hand. You must give daddy. You must give daddy what you're holding. And she said, but it's mine. And I found it. Yes, I know, I know, I know. But it's dangerous. You must let me take it. He stepped closer. and She began to close her tiny hand. Don't, don't, honey, don't do that. It'll cut you and then I'll have to take you to Dr. Jones. And she said, I like Dr. Jones. He gives me suckers when I go. It's not easy for a theologian to reason with a three-year-old. Finally, finally, he kind of assumed a curious, a curious attitude about his daughter's newfound treasure. He said, it really is pretty. It's beautiful. Can I take a look at it? He cupped her little hand in his, and while he shared her pleasure in this fine, beautiful, shiny object she had, he gently pulled back her fingers one by one until he could lift the deadly razor blade from her hand. When Jesus, when Jesus comes into your life and says, Let me take it's not because he's trying to he's not trying to steal your treasure or strip away your character. He's trying to protect you and help you to be all that he intended for you to be without any unnecessary scars and wounds along the way. I want to ask you this morning in light of what Jesus said, whoever desires to come after me. Must deny self. You must take up that cross daily and then follow me. Whoever desires to find his life will have to lose it. But if you give your life to me, Jesus said you'll find it. So I want to ask you this morning: are you holding on to something that you know Jesus wants to take away? Is there something in your life that's hindering your following him? And you know it. And you want to let go of it does that because he cares about it. because he knows it's our heart. And so whatever it may be, whatever it may be, would you let go of it today and say, God, cleanse my heart. I don't want anything in my life that's going to hinder me from following you. Let's pray together. God, we praise you this morning. We thank you, God, for your word. We ask God for your grace to help us to receive and respond. What you've said today in your word. Help us, oh God, to respond to you. And help us to let go and let God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our closing.